Do you guys know why David wasn't afraid of Goliath? Because he wasn't king yet. He was unstoppable, untouchable, unkillable until he was king. Because he had just gotten a prophetic word from the most major prophetic voice in the land, a guy named Samuel, who the Lord wouldn't allow any of Samuel's words to fall to the ground. And Samuel just told David, you are going to be the next king of Israel. And so here goes teenage David out onto the battlefield. Who is this nine foot tall, uncircumcised Philistine who thinks he can taunt the armies of the living God? He knew that he was unstoppable, untouchable. He runs out there, you know, just with a couple things that he knows how to do. You know, I don't know how much time he had on the countryside with those sheep learning how to shoot that slingshot, but it was like the one thing he knew how to do. And he, and he got before Saul, or yeah, Saul, he got before Saul and said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go take him out. I'm going to go take out Goliath for you. And Saul looks at David like a you know, a foolish boy. And he says, that, that man's been a fighting man since his youth, and you're only a youth. And David's like, doesn't matter, I've killed lions and bears with my bare hands. <clears throat> and Saul's like, at least take my armor, put on this armor. And David tries it on, and it doesn't fit him. And he's, he's saying, you know, this armor works for you, but it doesn't work for me. This anointing works for you, but it doesn't work for me. This mantle works for you, but it doesn't work for me. What I know how to do is sling stones. If he went out there wearing someone else's mantle, Goliath would have chopped him in half. But he knew how to be himself. And he knew he wasn't king yet. So he grabbed some stones and went out there, and you guys know the story. It's one of the greatest dialogues in history. Who is this little boy who comes at me with sticks and stones? Come here, and I'm going to feed your body to the birds. And David just throws it right back at him, completely fearless. You guys know what I'm talking about. If we're going to take down giants, we need the prophetic. We need to know who we are. We need prophetic words that haven't been fulfilled yet because we know that a day is coming when we will walk in that reality. Paul talks to Timothy about the prophetic words and says, you can wage warfare with the prophetic. Remember the things that have been spoken over you and fight the good fight. See, God didn't just leave us a book. It would be like me marrying my wife, Ashley, and heading to our wedding day, and, and for months I've prepared a document. And in this document, it's all the things that I love about life, things that I love to do, my favorite foods, you know, my history, some, some cool stories about me. And, you know, I've completed this incredible book about my life and how I like, you know, my, my laundry done or something. Not that she does my laundry. In fact, I do a lot of my own laundry. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, if I, we got to the wedding day and I said, here, baby, here's, here's everything you need to know about me. Now I never need to talk to you again. She's my bride, right? What are we to Jesus? We're his bride. He didn't write down a whole bunch of stories about who he is and what he likes to do and how we can please him and then just shut the book and walk away. He's speaking to us constantly. We don't follow Emmanuel, we follow Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight I wanted to talk about some ways that God speaks 
this list is not exhaustive, and it's not necessarily one of these teachings that has this beautiful arc. It's more linear. I just want to talk about a, di- a bunch of different ways God speaks and tell a bunch of stories. So it's going to be kind of like gather around the, the fire and, and, and tell some cool old stories. With Revelation, there are different levels of Revelation or levels of intensity by which Revelation comes, and often those levels of intensity um, correlate with how difficult or how big the task is. In other words, if you are going to go deliver a prophetic word to President Trump and like walk across the, the White House lawn, you have better have had a visitation from an archangel or Jesus himself. <laughs> it's not just like a... I, I just kind of feel like President Trump needs to be encouraged. Let's go. Like, <laughs> it's true. Like, he needs to be encouraged. But did God just send you across the White House lawn? Because there are snipers there. <laughs> so one of the, you know, one of the lower levels of revelation is called impressions. An impression is a knowing or a feeling. You just have a hint about something, and so you jump out there and, and you go with it. Um, Jesus even had impre- impressions. If you put up there Luke chapter 8, this is when uh, the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus's garment, the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. In other words, who isn't touching you right now, Jesus? But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out of me. He perceived something. But he's actually saying, I I don't know who did it. I mean, I don't know if that'll fit into your theological pipe, but it's true. Jesus, in this moment, has tons of people touching him, and all he has is an impression that virtue has gone out of them, that power has gone out of them. That's what a, uh, an impression is like. Some of the most powerful prophetic words in your life will come through, you know, these low-level or easy-to-miss impressions, and it, sometimes it can sound like your own thoughts. In fact, most of my prophetic victories or, or cool stories have come through impressions. One time I was ministering in a, in a prophetic booth, and a woman came in and... Um, and I had, uh, I actually had three different things. I had, I had an impression, impression or a feeling in my arm that felt like nerve damage. And then I had a memory of when I ran away from the Lord when I was 18 years old. And so I just went for it and I said, ma'am, you have uh, nerve damage in your right elbow. It feels like you hit your funny bone and it's been burning for years. And she goes, I've been going to doctors for 10 years to try to get this burning sensation off my arm. It feels like I hit my funny bone. And I said, and you have an 18 or 19-year-old son who's a musician who's walked away from the Lord, and you're praying for him, and she's just breaking down, weeping. It's exactly what's happened in her life. She gets healed on the spot and comes back to church a month later and gives a testimony and says, that nerve pain in my arm was there for 10 years, and it left that day and hasn't come back. So we don't want to miss the supernatural by looking for the spectacular. Incredible supernatural moments are happening around us all day. The veil's been torn. Like, literally, you you can look around and there are touch points of glory in this room, in this moment. We have open eyes. We're surrounded by glory. Someone who has been awakened to Jesus, everything can prophesy to them. Okay, next, ways that God can speak to you. Physical sensations, Um, sight, hearing, smell, touch, taste. So um, here's an example of spiritual sight. When Elijah is taken up, in glory, his mantle falls, Elisha picks it up, and the prophets around him, there's a whole, all these junior prophets who say, you know, I, they essentially say, I see the spirit of Elijah on Elisha. And so they're seeing in the spirit, they're seeing something. And this happens really often. This, is, this will happen so often, it's almost like cheating, I promise you. 
pay attention to this moment. When you see someone who reminds you of someone else, you are so often being told by God something about that person. Something that they're going through. A, a familiar gifting that um, that person who you know has. You know, that, that person that you're seeing who looks like that person. Hey, young man in the blue shirt. Hey, I forgot to tell, tell you, during worship, I heard Joel 2, and, um, and it's a passage where it says, my young men will dream dreams, and you've been designed by God to be a dreamer in the night, vivid dreams, right? Yeah, he's going to speak to you in incredible ways your whole life through dreams. Your name doesn't have to be Joel or Josiah. Joe? Got it. <laughs> It's a good thing it wasn't Joel because I probably would have like fallen out in a puddle of glory and service, service would be over or really, really awkward. If he was like, my name's Joel. <laughs> uh, you can hear things in the spirit. Um, we're, we're surrounded by spiritual beings. Um, in the unseen realm, and you can hear them saying things sometimes, or God will just let you hear something like that, that represents what you're supposed to say to someone else. Spiritual smell, this happens to me kind of often. Uh, there's, there's good smells and bad smells in the spirit. <laughs> you know, Jesus has an aroma. Um, I, was in a, I was in a meeting one time, where, um, man, it had been 13 years ago. Rick Pino was leading worship before he was famous, and there were like 50 of us in this room, and um, the worship band was hitting this song where like everyone was dancing and celebrating and everyone's going crazy, and everything stopped. Like the band train wrecked. Like, like it wasn't like this graceful, like let's bring it down now, people. Like it was... And, and someone on stage goes, do you guys smell that? And someone in the back of the room goes, yeah, man, we smell it back here too. And, and everyone's like, yeah, it smells amazing. The aroma of the Lord showed up. A dude with a deaf ear popped open in that moment. And, I mean, we just went right back into worshiping like crazy. Um, you Sometimes uh, you can smell manipulation or, or witchcraft in the spirit, and uh, the Lord will develop a language with you uh, concerning stuff like that. It's, the nose often represents discernment. It's your sniffer. <laughs> spiritual touch or, um, or even spiritual emotions. Um, it's a story... This happens to a lot of people. You can pick up on what someone else is feeling. And it's, it's a gift. God has given you that gift. One time I was ministering um, on a church stage, and I looked at this one guy, and I felt my heart start like racing, uh, and panic came over me. And it, all I could do is describe showing up to high school on a test day that I didn't study for, didn't even know it was a test day, and everyone else had studied, and I'm the one doofus that shit like walked into the room who wasn't ready for the test. And that kind of panic hit me when I looked at him, and I just said, I explained to him, you know that feeling that you get, and blah, 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 blah. I said, I feel like you get that anytime you go out in public, and I, I, I break that off of you in the name of Jesus. What I didn't know is that um, someone had, in our church, it was actually Hats. He was a friend of Hats, was trying to get this guy to come to church forever, but he had agoraphobia, and he is a, which means he was terrified to go out in public. And in that moment, I put the spotlight on him, so the whole church is now looking at this poor guy. But that, that spirit was broken off of him. In fact, that day after church, he went out with a whole bunch of strangers to lunch, which he has never done, because he would have just been in an all-out panic attack. And Michael... Hats Miller followed up with him after that and uh, found out that he had been delivered in that moment and it never came back. You 
You guys know why I'm telling all these stories. It's not to look cool, although I do love looking cool. Um, it is the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so when we talk about things Jesus has done, it releases the same spiritual force for it to be done in your life. The very first time I got a word of knowledge for healing, I was forced to do it. I was, I was part of a ministry school, and they sent us out on faith courses, which are lists of miracles we have to go pull off and bring back recorded testimonies of the people that we healed, delivered, or saved. And <clears throat> one of my first faith courses, I had to get an accurate word of knowledge for a stranger in a public place and heal them on the spot, and then they had to give the testimony into my phone, and I can bring it into school, play it for everyone. And so my own fear of failure propelled me past the fear <laughs> of going up to a stranger. I mean, I, I don't recommend that. that but <clears throat> so me and my buddy were like, where do we find hurting people? We're like, uh, Walmart, let's go. Um, so <laughs> God bless Walmart. Don't go there at 2 a.m. Um, <laughs> so we go to the canned food aisle just because I felt like maybe that's where God was directing us, and we're standing there, and this, this woman walks by. Me and my buddy, we're in our early 20s. This, like, 40-year-old woman walks by, and I felt my heart go... <laughs> and so I was like, I'm not going to pass up this opportunity. I think that was probably a word of knowledge. And so I stopped her. She's pushing her cart, and I say, hey, ma'am, when you walk by me, I felt my heart do something crazy. Like... <laughs> And she looked at me like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this boy's on a cougar hunt. <laughs> anyway, I, I realized like that how that was the absolute worst way I could have said that prophetic word. And I was like, what I mean is that I feel like God told me that you have heart palpitations and you're, you're, on, uh, you're on prescription drugs for it, but there's power present right now. If you let me like, lay hands on you, I believe that you'll be healed and you won't need to take those drugs anymore. And she goes, how do you know that I have heart palpitations that I'm on medicine for? I said, well, I mean, God told me and he wants you healed. I think that if we pray for you, you'll get healed. And so she's like, She's totally freaked out. This is the weirdest Walmart trip of her life. And, and so I close my eyes, which you're not supposed to do when you're praying for people in public. Jesus says, look and see. Anyway, so <laughs> tell of all you've seen and heard. Um, I close my eyes, and as I'm putting my hand on her back, it doesn't stop against her. I open my eyes, and she's running with her cart. Um, and all I could think was, dang it. <laughs> Now I have to find someone else to heal. Um, <laughs> I saw her later in the electronics department. She took off again. Um, Jesus, just heal that woman right now. <laughs> uh, spiritual taste is also a thing you, you can get... You can, while you're praying for someone or, or asking for a prophetic word for something, sometimes you'll, you'll taste something. You know, it could be blueberry pie, and it could be as simple as, simple as that's their you know, favorite dessert, or you know, it's, it's harvest time, or the color blue is revelation, and God is about to make a revelatory pie for you, sir. And like, <laughs> you, just, you just go with it. Um... <laughs> Sometimes God will speak to you through your own memories. That happened with that, that woman with the nerve pain. I remembered when I walked away from the Lord when I was 18 and I was a musician and I figured that her, she had a son who did the same. And when I say I figured, I mean I was guessing. You're, you're never going to be that sure about this stuff. Michael like touched on this last week about how, you know, how do you know if you're, if you're hearing God and you don't until you do it. And even with Moses, like one of the most intense prophetic words in the world, you know, Moses before the burning bush, God's telling him, yeah, you're going to have to go in front of Pharaoh, the most powerful man 
on the planet uh, who's demonized in a big way, and you're going to have to tell him to let my people go. And Moses is like, well, I'm going to need you to really give me some confirmation right now. <laughs> and he gets a couple confirmations, but then he's still not convinced. He's like, but seriously. And Moses is like, when you bring my people out, you will worship me on this mountain, and then you will know that I sent you. In other words, go do the thing that I told you to do, and after you've done it, then you know I told you to do it. So you can be praying for someone, and one of your own memories will pop in your head, or you'll you'll think, oh my gosh, I forgot to pay my water bill. And you can say to that person, I feel like you're behind on some of your bills, and and you're really nervous right now. And you would be amazed how many times that's absolutely accurate for them. Uh, You can also hear people's thoughts just like you can feel their emotions. This is not witchcraft. It was the predominant way Jesus operated in the prophetic. I looked it up. I looked up all the different ways that Jesus demonstrated the prophetic. And the most predominant way is him hearing thoughts. John 4.17, he knew uh, the Samaritan woman's life, at least some really important details about it. John 6.14, he knew the intentions or plans of some strangers to make him king by force. Jesus can read minds in, uh, he was reading minds in Matthew 9, verse 4, scribes said within themselves he is a blasphemer because he forgave the sins of the paralytic, and Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. Matthew 12, 25, the Pharisees said this within themselves. This man casts out demons by Beelzebub. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, answers them. The Pharisees asked him about taxes, but they were really just trying to set set a trap for him, and Jesus knew their thoughts. Luke chapter 6, verse 8, the Pharisees and scribes tried, and they were were baiting him again to heal someone on the the Sabbath so they could catch him breaking, um, you know, the old covenant laws. And Jesus knew their thoughts. In fact, that's one of the coolest stories. You guys know what I'm talking about? When the Pharisees see this man with a withered hand, and they're like, okay, this is our opportunity. It's Sunday. You can't heal on a Sunday. We're going to watch Jesus and see if he breaks the Sabbath. It's probably a Saturday anyway. Um, they're waiting for him, and Jesus just looks right at him and says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? If, if one of you has a sheep that falls into a hole, are you, are you not going to go save him? He's looking right at these guys, and he knows exactly what they're thinking, and he heals them. It's one of the coolest stories. Luke 9.47, the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest, and Jesus knew their thoughts. It's really cool when this happens, by the way. It freaks someone out, usually to the point where they know that God is real. Like, I mean, that's, and that's what we want. It says in 1 Corinthians 14 that if uh, an unbeliever comes into your meeting and everyone's praying in tongues, he's just going to think you're lunatics. But if an unbeliever comes into your meeting and everyone's prophesying, then the secrets of his heart will be unveiled, revealed. He will be convicted by all, and falling on his face, he will declare, God is truly among you. Some faceplant salvations would be really fun to watch. Another way God speaks, the still small voice of the Lord. It can be an internal audible voice. Um, One really cool story. When Ashley and I were in Santa Barbara, we had a couple friends with us, and one of them was Katie. Katie, can you stand up and wave to everyone? Beautiful, spiritual, single Katie. Boys who loves children. <laughs> she was our nanny for a while. I'll give you her number if you want it, but I will uh, interview you because um, <clears throat> she is like my daughter. Um, so we're in Santa Barbara, and we're, we're in a church service, and we're actually doing the prophetic. And I, and I have Katie come up and do the prophetic because she's super prophetic. And so she's giving some words to people to encourage them. But while she's giving the words, she's hearing something from God that has nothing to do with what's going on. And so she said she was kind of like just giving these words, but she's hearing God say, if you want to see real power, you have to go after the one. And then she gets a vision of this uh, bar that's like 10 minutes away. It's a sports bar. And she sees an internal vision of a man 
and with a spot in his lung. And so she's thinking, I know what bar that is. Uh, it's by Butterfly Beach. It's in Montecito. I, I, there's probably someone there. So the whole rest of the meeting, she's thinking, I got to go. I got to go. I, gotta have to, I have to go after the one if I want to see real power. And so she tells our other two friends, Isaac and Casey, about it. And they're like, well, what are we doing here? What are we waiting around for? Surround yourself with friends like that. So they get in the car and they're driving across town to a bar because Katie had an internal vision. Does that sound weird to you? Sounds like an awesome Saturday night. So she, <laughs> they're going across town and on the way they're asking God for more information. They're saying, okay, well, let's try to get his name before we get there. That way it's, it's even more powerful. And um, you know, like all the dialogues that are going on in your mind when you're going to do something like this. Isaac is kind of like in this place where he's like, I doubt this is actually gonna be happening, but at least we can get a soda or a beer and like watch TV. And, <clears throat> and <laughs> so they ask, you know, well, let's, let's ask the Lord what his name is and then just say it, like on the count of three. And so there were like two Billies and a William, right? Yeah, that's right. So, two, one, so it was a Billy and a William, which is the same name. And so they're thinking it's got to be Billy or Willie or William or something like that. So they get there and um, spot the guy. Um, they send Isaac to go talk to him first because he's big and a dude. And, um, and Isaac explains what's going down. And, and, and Billy's like, sorry, his name is Billy. I mean, you, you guys could have guessed that. But he's like, yeah. <clears throat> and um, so Isaac waves the other two over. And Isaac is like, well, that's not all God told us about you. And Katie said, you know, I saw this spot in your, in your lungs, like a dark spot in your lungs. And he said, how do you know that? I haven't told anyone this. I, like, I went to get a biopsy a couple weeks ago on this, this dark, these dark spots in my lungs that the, the doctors found. How do you know this? And he's going, oh, my God, oh, my God, she sent me her messengers. And she, he's talking about God like a woman. She sent me her messengers. Oh, my God. And... Um, I've never had I've never had a messenger sent to me before, and um, and he's asking them all these questions, like because he he's a little bit skeptical, but also completely overwhelmed, and he's like, no, you don't understand. I'm a executive producer for a documentary. It's a movie that we are making about people who can hear by intuition things about other people. But we've been interviewing all these new agers and spiritists, and they're all BSers. Sorry, I shouldn't say that on the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're all lying, or they're just making this up. They're, pre they're pretending, they're, like, they're mentalists. They're, you know, I've never, this is the real thing. Do you guys catch that? This guy's making a documentary on hearing God, and God sends him who, someone who can hear God. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool, and... and they got to meet the other producer because the guy's like, you have to meet my other producer because maybe we can put you in this movie like so that <laughs> the documentary, you know, it, it was just cool. Very, very cool. Oh, yeah, okay, so his, his first name is Billy, but Isaac, he was the one guy in the car that got a different name, and it was Dale. Well, it turned out his last name was Daleforth or Dale, Dale, Daleworth, something, something Daleville, I don't know. But Dale was... So they got, they got his first name for sure, and they got half of his second name, and they got the problem that was in his lungs, and they knew what bar he was at, and it was just cool. Did he get healed? We don't know. I thought it turned out that it was a whole bunch of uh, spray paint that he had inhaled and settled in his lungs. Lord, heal Billy. Um, but he was completely undone. He was... Um, really emotional while they were talking to him, and, and he's, he's saying, why would you do this? Why would you do this? And Katie is saying, we're compelled by love. And, and even the other producer, they're like, you're telling me that you, you drove across, you're not expecting money from us? <laughs> they're like, no, no, we don't want your money. Um, okay, moving along here. You guys having fun with these stories? Another way God speaks is, I call it the open your mouth trick. Um, <laughs> it's in the Bible. Psalm, Psalm 81.10 says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. 
Now, he's talking specifically in context, he's talking about, you know, food, like manna, like I'm going to take care of you. But in the New Testament, manna actually means bread from heaven. And so God, this, this happens so many times. You just got to try this. It's so fun. If you just want to encourage someone, but you don't necessarily have anything from God, you know, you can walk up to them and be like, you can start encouraging them or just saying, hey, I just really want to talk to you. But the whole time you're like, you just say, and I, and I feel like God is saying, and you just wait. And it's kind of like, it works, guys. I just feel like God is saying, or th- this is something I feel like God wants to do. And it's kind of like uh, your heart catches up to your bravery. <clears throat> and Jesus loves that stuff. Um, this happens, uh, I'll get people who ask me for prophetic words over social media um, often, and one guy t- uh, texted me on Facebook, messaged me, and I said, I really need a word right now. And I didn't even, like, talk to God, but I know you're supposed to. I just, <laughs> I know you're supposed to ask. You're like, we ask and we receive. But what I did instead is I just started typing. And, and I was like, Lord, let, like, just let this be awesome. And I'm typing and I'm typing. And I say to him, you just moved to a new city and you bought your first home, and it was a huge risk, and one of the major reasons you went to that city is because you were going to be discipled by an older, wiser man of God that you were really excited about, but that fell through. But God wants you to know that he took you to that town to train you like Paul in the wilderness by just him and you. And he texted back, OMG, like, my wife and I just moved to a new town and bought a house to be discipled by a man who was going to move here also, but after we moved, he felt from God that he wasn't supposed to. We've been so disappointed that we made this huge move to another town. So that was cool. God speaks through visions also. Uh, You can have glimpses into the spirit. You can have internal visions. Some of these are gentle. Some of these are strong. One time I uh, was prophesying from stage and I looked at a young guy, he was probably 14 or 15, and I saw him getting a new car. And so I was like, Lord, that is such a like, cheap prophetic word. Everyone wants that prophetic word. It's like the Oprah prophetic word, like, you get a car. Like, it's <laughs> obviously, it's going to encourage him. Like, but anyway, I, I, sorry, I'm just honest with God like that. I hope that doesn't offend anyone. I'm like, God, this is weird, but whatever, let's just do it. So I said, I just see you getting a new car. And then I, like, before he could do anything, I just moved on to the next prophetic word. Well, three years goes by, two or three years goes, goes by, and um, at, at the, when I gave the prophetic word, I was working at the church. Three years goes by, I'm not working at the church, I'm actually working on a car lot, I'm selling cars. And I come in on a Monday morning, and my manager drops a stack of leads on my desk, and he said, these are people who called in over the weekend, I want you to have them. And these are actually good leads, it's like gold. He was like giving me something awesome, these are people who actually want cars. And so I called the very first number, <clears throat> I called the one, <clears throat> I think it's, uh, her name was Janet. I called her, I said, hey, this is Jeremy with Ellison Hamlin Hyundai. I heard you're looking for a new car, you called in over the weekend. And she says, did you say your name's Jeremy Shuck? And I say, yeah. And she's like, the Jeremy Shuck who worked at Wellspring Church three years ago? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God, you don't understand. Three years ago, you prophesied to my 14-year-old son that God was going to give him a new car, and I'm calling in because I need to buy him a car. She came in and bought a car from me, and I saw my internal vision, I saw come to pass. I saw, actually saw him get a new car, and I got a commission for it. That one was wild. I mean, the, the detail that God put into that one, right? I, I, <laughs> I mean, out of all the people that my manager could have gave that stack of leads to, it, he gave it to me. And out of all the leads, the top one was this woman. That, you know, I prophesied. Guys, it's mind-boggling how the Lord causes the universe. He conspires with the universe to cause it to bless us. He is pulling strings. 
He's making deals, if you want to call it that. He's doing things behind the scenes with the universe to cause things to prosper, to work in our benefit, for doors to open, for chance encounters and meetings to happen. Man, I'm only like halfway through these things. Let me burn through a few more of these. Um... Open visions. Uh, this is similar to seeing a scene get acted out physically, like as a, a, a movie screen. So you'll be doing something, and or driving down the road, and you're you're seeing something so vivid. It's it's like a Technicolor daydream that you're like engrossed in, and sometimes you can interact with. Um, let's talk about dreams. Let's spend some time on dreams. Gosh, I have so much to say. Job 33, verse 14. God speaks once or twice, yet men do not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night. And a little bit later it says, in order to turn men from their direction. So dreams are one of the main ways that God will speak to us. In fact, I could probably map out my entire life by the dreams that I've had in the night. Some of them are literal and some of them are symbolic. If they're symbolic, they need interpretation. And often you need a friend who's good at interpreting because often God will give you the dream but not the interpretation just because he wants us to work as a body. Ones that need interpretation, God describes them in Numbers chapter 12, verse 6. Can you put that one up? Oh, you're so fast, Luke. Come on, Luke Davis. You're amazing. <clears throat> Numbers 12, 6, and he said, hear my words, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision and will speak to him, un speak to him in a dream, dot, 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 in dark sayings. So that word dream is actually, it means dark sayings. That's one of the ways that it's interpreted. And, and I heard someone talk about just the, the Hebrew behind it and dark sayings visually, pictorially, looks, it's a, it's a rope that's tied in a knot, like a big, big knot. So God, in this dream, he's giving you something that needs interpretation. And so he's giving you something that could be useful, but it's not useful now because it's all tied up in a knot. It's a knotted up rope. And so you get it, and you're like, hmm. And you're pulling it apart, and you're like, what doth thou mean, Lord? And you're at, you're like, can anybody else untie this knot? Like, <laughs> and when you finally do untie it, you're like, ha! It is something useful. One of, the, one of the major life changes uh, you know, of my life is when I moved from the East Coast to Dallas like 14 or 15 years ago. And, um, and I got a prophetic word from a prophet and, and like, uh, I had an open door to come and do ministry in Texas, but I didn't want to leave. I had great friendships on the East Coast. I didn't want to go to Dallas yet. And so around the same time, Hurricane Katrina hits Louisiana and I jump in a truck with a bunch of people to go help out. And so we're helping out. We create a food distribution center for all these victims. And we have a box of those tiny little Gideon Bibles. And I turned to my leader and I said, can I have one of those little Bibles so I can just read verses every once in a while throughout the day? And he said, yeah, grab one. So I grabbed, I just grabbed one right off the top, put it in my, in my pocket. And um, <clears throat> that night, while this is obviously, this is still the time I'm considering moving to Dallas. And that night, I, we get back to the church that's hosting us, and we're sleeping on the floor of this church, and, I, and I'm reading through the Old Testament in my full-size Bible, because I have that back at the church. And I'm reading in Joshua, and it's the story of, um, you know, the Israelites crossing the Jordan finally to go take the promised land. But it says in there, the Reubenites and Gadites didn't want to go. And I'd never seen that before. I'd never noticed that the Reubenites and the Gadites didn't want to cross the Jordan. And it just struck me as so bizarre. Like, why wouldn't you go to the promised land? And so I go to sleep, <clears throat> and that, that question is haunting me. Like, it's, it's lodged in my spirit. It's like I'm asking the Lord, why? Like, what's up with this? And so I go to sleep, and I enter a dream. And in the dream, I see a Bible go, and it falls on its spine and goes, it opens up. And then there's this page. It's a blank page dancing, and it's <clears throat> the end of Hebrews, the beginning of James, and which are conse consecutive books in the New Testament, and I see this blank page dancing. It's like it's taunting me, and I wake up from the dream, and I think, that's got to be God, and so I go to my Bible, 
and I got the tiny Bible, the Gideon-sized Bible, and I go to the end of Hebrews and the beginning of James, and I'm reading all the verses, and it's good stuff, but it's not speaking to me, and then I see something weird down in the binding of the book, and I peel back the book, and can you put that picture up? This is actually my Bible. I've kept it for 15 years. It's a tiny Gideon Bible with just the New Testament and Psalms, and so I see NMV 3.2. You see that? It's a misprint. And that is the end of Hebrews and the beginning of James. And I've pried it open. And so you know, now you know, like, I'm on the hunt. Like, what does this mean? So the night before, I was reading in Joshua. This means numbers. So I'm going to Numbers chapter 32. And I had this question in my heart about the Reubenites and the Gadites from the book of Joshua. And I go to my full-size Bible and I open up Numbers chapter 32. And what's it titled? Reubenites and Gadites. That's legit, that is my Bible. I have physical evidence of a spiritual heavenly encounter. And so I read it, and it says that the Reubenites and the Gadites had such great relationships on that, that side of the Jordan that they didn't want to go to the other and fight with their brothers. But, and so God was angry, and he said, basically said, you don't think that my future promises are better than what you currently have. Go fight for your brothers on the other side of the Jordan. And after you've taken the land, you can either take your inheritance there or you can move back, but you're going. And, and the Lord said, cross the Mississippi, Jeremy. That was his confirmation to me to go move to Texas. Okay, um, just a couple more, guys. Trances, this is another way that God speaks to us. A trance is like an open vision, only you're like completely caught up like in it. You're interacting with this trance. Um, and most of the time, you, you can't necessarily come out of it if you want to. Peter gets caught up in a trance in Acts chapter 10. And this trance, you guys, I don't know if trances, like the word trance weirds you out, but that, that trance is the reason you're in this room. The apostles were arguing about whether the gospel should go to the Gentiles. What are you guys? Peter falls into a trance, and he sees every kind of animal, clean and unclean, being lowered down into a net, and the Lord says, go kill and eat. And Peter, like this, this, he knows it's not about dietary laws. He knows that this is a vision where God is confirming, yes, take the gospel to the Gentiles. It is because of that trance that they decided to launch their missionary efforts outside of just the Hebrew people. Congratulations, you, we're like all in the kingdom because of that. Another uh, way the Lord speaks is being caught up in the spirit. This happened to Paul. He says, I'll go on to speak of visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I want to talk about... So me and my friends, when we were in ministry school, we were tired of hearing the leaders' stories of glorious things in their lives and miracles. We were tired of it. We're like, they're, they're awesome, but we want our own stories. We're like, this is available to everyone. So like, we decide that we're going to basically lock ourselves in a cabin without electricity and pray until God shows up. And so we do, we, and, and the sun goes down, and we're praying and worshiping, and there, there are these waves of the Spirit. You know how in worship there's waves of the Spirit, and you're like dancing and singing, and then you're on your knees, and you feel the Lord coming back, and you're standing up? It's, it's like that. We're just enjoying the presence of God. We don't have any instruments. We're just singing, and, and we're singing in tongues and, and harmonizing. And all of a sudden, all of us, we just shut up at the same time because we feel this thing happen. And, and I hear everyone, it's dark. We can't even see each other, but I hear everyone go, whoa including me, and it, what it looked like is our spiritual eyes opened, we could see each other in the spirit, and be, we began to swirl, and we spun up, it was almost like an upside down toilet bowl flush, we go, like, uh, and, and suddenly we're in a, a banqueting hall, a banquet, like this huge table with incredible food set out, and, and we're inside this vision, but I'm doubting it, because I'm an American dude, and I'm thinking, how can I test this vision? And so I turn to my friend, because I see this purple lamp over there in the corner. I turn to my friend, Elizabeth, and I say, hey, what do you see in that corner? And I'm just pointing, and she says, I see a purple lamp. And I'm like, we are in a vision together. Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, we're just kids, you know? They were just, we didn't know what we were doing. They're, so we're exploring this room, and then the Lord tells us, like, basically, we know we're supposed to go through different doors. And so I go through a door, and, um, <clears throat> and I'm inside the womb of heaven. And I see all the babies on the walls and on the floor, and they're posted up everywhere. And I know that these are all the babies that are currently ready to be born on planet Earth. And I see, um, you can see in the spirit, the, the silver cord, this umbilical cord coming from the other side. And this room is huge. It's like the size of an aircraft carrier on the inside, and it kind of moves, you know, like a womb. And, um, and they're just all these babies all the way around, you know, packed in there. And I know they're about to be born. And I see a, a, a umbilical cord, cord going to a woman on earth, and it's her baby. It's in heaven. It's going to be born. But she decides to have an abortion. And the, the silver cord turns into black dust. It just shrivels up and goes away. It just blows away. But that's not what happens to the baby. The baby, like, gently erupts. And the spirit goes somewhere. But this gold diamond dust hovers above the wall of the womb of heaven. And time fast forwards. And the same girl who aborted her baby is now pregnant again, and a new baby has grown in that old spot. And she's going to keep this baby. And the diamond gold shimmering dust descends on that baby. And I hear the Lord say, the devil thinks he's accomplishing something with abortion and miscarriage. But I will have a double portion generation on the earth, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And all, whoo, and all... This gifting and power and mantle and anointing is falling on the next baby. Jesus. The last thing, the last way that God speaks is that I want to talk about tonight is a visitation from him. Um, I want to say that not a lot of people get knocked off their donkey on the way to, to Damascus. And the life that's in front of someone who gets knocked off their donkey on the road to Damascus is a very bizarre one, a very hard one. The Lord himself showed up to Paul. And it prepped him for what is going to happen. In fact, Jesus showed up to Paul at least three times uh, that we can see in Scripture. Something that's really cool to think about is that if Jesus shows up to you in your room while you are awake and you see him with your open eyes and you reach out your hand to touch him, to touch his foot or his side like Thomas did, if your hand stops against the flesh of a man, you know that Jesus is nowhere else in the universe except for in your room in that very moment. This isn't to lessen the glory of the ha all of us having the Holy Spirit with us constantly, but there's only one Jesus. He kept that body, right? He went up into the heavens in the same body. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. So if he stepped out of the great cloud of witnesses, if he stepped out of his heavenly place and your hand stops against his body, you have the honor of knowing that he's there. He left everything in that moment to come and see you. If God himself shows up to us in, in, in a manner like that, we most likely have a hard road in front of us because he needed to encourage us, show us who we are, tell us things. He needed to show up in a mighty way because of the things that we're about to walk through. It's probably gonna be at least a rough year. <laughs> might not be, it might be glorious, but it's just like Lou was talking about this morning, Joseph having to go through prison. Um, the reason I wanted to um, talk about all these different ways that the Lord speaks is to put value back in our vocabulary. You know, these encounters are currency. And, we, and I don't want to just flippantly throw around words like, you know, God, God came to me or, or, you know, Jesus visited me when really it was, it was a dream. Uh, the reason being is because I want the real thing. And, and we, don't need, we don't need hype. So we can have impressions and dreams and visions and visitations from angels, and you can see your angels, which is a story I completely skipped tonight because we're running out of time, but these are our 
inheritance. These are the things that we get to operate in. This is what Jesus paid for. So let's stand up and ask him for an increase of the prophetic anointing in our lives. I need the how to end a meeting anointing to fall upon me. <laughs> Jesus, thank you that you didn't just hand us a book and stop talking. Thank you, Father, that these ways that you spoke to our heroes are the ways that you speak to us through dreams and visions, prophetic encounters angelic visitations, messengers being sent. Lord, we think about the ways that you've spoken to your apostles, the very ones upon whom you built your church in the first century. Lord, and we say that we want that. We want those to increase in our lives. We want, we want those dreams. We want those visions. Would you, like Paul prayed, God, we pray right now, increase the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this room. Something that helps with understanding that prayer is the spirit of wisdom and revelation is that you can personify them because revelation is a spirit and wisdom is a spirit and you can ask them to come and speak to you. I've met them both. Let wisdom and revelation increase. Other, we want to be caught up into visions, caught up in the spirit. We want, just like what Paul had, we want to see things that... We, can't, we don't even know how to describe or we're not allowed to talk about yet. Lord, we want to have a secret life with you. Father, we want to have those moments of face plant salvations where unbelievers or, or backsliders or, or, or part prodigals, you know, they, get, they hear the prophetic word coming from our lips and they fall down and declare that God is truly among us. Increase the prophetic. We just want to hear you communicate your heart to people. Father, would you overcome us with your comp compassion, overwhelm us with your compassion for people so when we prophesy, we look at them like the, they're our very own children. In Jesus' name, amen.